<laughs> Thanks for listening to this. Test, 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 test. All right. We've been testing, and it's content nausea. Content nausea. I'm one of your hosts, Eric. Currently, I am racked with what may or may not be visions of real things or uh, false things. I can't quite tell. And frankly, I'm going, feel like I'm going crazy. Uh, Cause off there to the left, I see Connor uh, uh, getting murdered uh, with an unicorn ice pick thing. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah. It, it doesn't look, uh, it doesn't look pleasant at all. I was, but I was just trying to sleep off, you know, my drunk, all the alcoholism. <laughs> Connor, who was sleeping off the beer he opened in the police station, uh, is now being stabbed to death, unfortunately. Uh, and then at least he had the beer. Yeah, at least he had the beer. Off in the distance, I see Brooke uh, shaving her head and becoming a Buddhist so she can fight uh, some black magicians and also a Thai kickboxer uh, for, you know, uh, reasons. I've been known to do that. Mm-hmm. And then we make these choices. <laughs> and then over there, I could I could swear I see Miles uh, ruining a family's life by filming the every <laughs> moment. Uh, it's God's insist- work, really. Insisting that it's it's for documenting reality, uh, which once again I'm still not sure that I am see- witnessing reality, but you know. It's certainly a reality. You may not be experiencing it, but this family is. Mm-hmm. Get, getting the real experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, authentic life. <laughs> yeah. Welcome yeah. to Content Nausea. Welcome to the show. Welcome. That's a well, Tom. God, that's a great mm-hmm. start. That's nice. Well, Tom. That's why I get to eat breakfast on the podcast. <laughs> It is. Uh, you know, most important meal. Mm-hmm. This is the uh, first now that you're... Go ahead. Sorry, this is just the first time we've recorded uh, morning for us, even though it's noon, but earlier yeah, than like is... seven. Uh, yeah, we are up at the crack of dawn for you fuckers. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Generally speaking, I do go to bed late, so this is morning. <laughs> yeah, and you... I work nights. So. And I work nights. So together, this is now the new morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, Miles, what did you what did you bring to show the class this morning? Uh, what I brought to show the class, well, one of the things isn't released yet, and it is to do with something I've talked about a little bit a few times now. But uh, the new clipping album got the pre-order stream released. I listened to that, and boy, it's probably just as good, if not better, than their last album. Nice. It. Yeah. Who doesn't like some horrorcore industrial music? Honestly, industrial hip hop's kind of a fun development. It's I mean, super interesting. And it that album, it it's essentially, like I said, the part two to their previous album. They just wouldn't release a two-hour album because Sub Pop wouldn't let them. So they just tweaked the other half for a year. And boy, it's uh it's got some good bops. Uh, there's actually a couple catchy tracks like Pain Every Day that's actually out right now. There's a, a specific song that's kind of wild where it's, you know, kind of like one of those mob horror stories, but then you real not mob, but like mob mentality. 
then you realize mm-hmm. about halfway through they're just talking about the precinct. Uh. It's it, there's some fun stuff that had some incidental overlap with this year that they weren't intending, but it makes it even more interesting that it was predicted considering the songs were written last year. Uh, besides that, though, I, I mean, highly recommend if you like the industrial sound or hip hop sound. Gonna be out probably by the time this podcast comes out, so go give it a little shot. It's pretty good. Uh, the other thing I tried, I tried. I was watching The Boys last weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Better than it comes off initially. Exactly. I watched the first two episodes last year, fell off, tried again. It's fine. The first season's fine. It, it's not even fun after a moment. Uh, <laughs> you just see this completely benign, does nothing with his life person, just slowly just start fucking over like the Justice League. <laughs> Because they, mm-hmm. because their version of the Flash ran through his girlfriend. Oh, I do remember. She exploded. Yeah. Oh. And because they're trying to do a government contract to get supers in the military, superheroes, uh, they covered it up, and he had to sign off on something saying that it didn't happen. So, yeah. Okay. Basically, go ahead. Uh-huh. I was going to say, stuff like that always tracks, like, when you have things that sort of talk about how, like, the superheroes or the people with powers ultimately, like, fuck up the people around them when they're trying to save the day would make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing is they're not even trying to save the day. They're, like, a corporate-owned entity. Yeah, they're a bunch of real assholes, from what I get gathered. Pretty much all of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. They look it in the ads, but, like, I know it's a good bit different than the ads. Yeah, the ads yeah. actually annoy me, but... Parts of the show are a little too hard, I think, on the criticism. You can tell some plot points were written in the mid-aughts. Like, there's a whole episode where they're dealing with uh, an evangelical version of uh, Mr. Fantastic. Hmm. Who runs his own Jesus camp. Oh, okay. Yeah. Leave leave that to how you will. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, was this originally a comic book? I don't know much about the boys. Yeah, actually, it was... I think released the same people as Preacher. I don't know if oh. the creators have any overlap. But yeah, uh, comic novels essentially. The funny thing too is, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. What's his name? Edgar Wright? No, the. Sean... No. What? Uh, Nick Frost. <laughs> no, the other one, not Nick Frost. I think Carr said it. Simon Pegg. Simon yeah. Pegg, yeah. The original character for the main dude was around when Simon Pegg was popping off, and it just looks like Simon Pegg in the comics. But now oh. he's too old to play the character, so now he's the dad of the character. Oh, really? Which is really funny. That's cool. Yeah, just a funny little thing. But also started watching that second season. It keeps the same stuff you liked about it, but it's not clicking with me as well. I think it's just plot stuff. But if you want to see a satirization of, not even satirization, commentary on superheroes that's a little dated in some places, but fits otherwise, it's pretty worthwhile to watch. I have a lot of friends with pretty good taste that are, are fans. 
Yeah, it's uh, I gave it a second chance and I got rewarded. So nice. Yeah. But besides that, I haven't seen anything since last time we recorded. So busy man, busy man. I try. I like to think I am, but I'm probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you the I'm just too busy right now. Guys. Yeah, you're working a more real job than any of us for sure. Fair yeah. enough. Except for Connor, who is a full time gamer. Um, That's right. I resent <laughs> that implication. I would embrace it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, stay tuned for a future episode where I talk about the new Jackbox. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. There we go. All right, very nice. All right, Svensson. Take it away so I can pet my dog. We're getting into yeah. the That's not a metaphor. I literally have a dog standing next to me, staring at me forlornly. Uh, I know which one he that is, is. He is now stepping on top of me. He is looking me in the eyes. This is dog commentary now. I like it. Yeah. He wants the attention. I understand it. Mm-hmm. This is quiet. Yeah, not, not, not making noise which you know i'm sure craig appreciates that uh, <laughs> piece of shit uh <laughs> anyway uh so the first thing i watched was after last week's podcast i went hell and yeah helped, uh, yeah. You know, yeah which is is fantastic oh, big no. fan yeah how fucking weird is that movie it's so weird i want five more like weird like r-rated nancy drew movies it's like- Oh, yeah, yeah. I fucking love it. Like, I don't know why this genre didn't actually like come to fruition outside of it being really fucking weird. Yeah, like, like th- this might not be, might not have been the like perfect execution of it. Even though I, I did enjoy it a ton. Um, I would have really liked to see more people like go for this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than like kids movies where they're like, mom's dating a vampire, shit like that. Like, I want like actual like. Like mystery, you know. Oh yeah, everyone likes a good mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, like you said last week, that every time she'd accuse Paul Fox of something, he'd be just be like, "No, that wasn't it. It wasn't me." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you ran over my friend with your car. No, I didn't. Wasn't me. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, there's something <laughs> to be said for how well that works when nobody has proof. Mm-hmm. He's in front of her, turning the pilot light back on. Shh. He's like, you were trying to blow me up. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I wasn't. We... No, I wasn't. That's crazy. Didn't go, ahead, go ahead and try to tell your mom. I don't know what you're talking about. Didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Scream for Help was great. Uh, I watched a short film on the Criterion channel called Coda, which uh, was about a drunken ghost. Uh, meeting death and then going sort through a um, sort of transformative journey on his way to the afterlife. Nice. Uh, and like was asking death to like show him more things about the world and uh, just had had a sort of uh, like trippy psychedelic journey through uh, existence, which was interesting. Cool. It's like nine minutes. It's good. I recommend it. It sounds very cool. Yeah. Like short film. I love a good horror short. They're hard to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daughters of there Dark. Are, Sorry, there go are on. many. I was going to say there are many horror shorts. It's just that a lot of them. Oh, there are so many. But yeah, a lot of them are terrible. terrible. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, after Coda, I watched... I started watching the Criterion 70s horror stuff. I watched Daughters of Darkness, which is a 1971 uh, v- vampire movie um, about this couple who uh, just got married and they're going on their honeymoon. And they meet Ca- the Countess ba- Bathory, or Batory. I don't know how to pronounce it exactly. but You got it on the second. Try all, these Be- all these Belgians were pronouncing it Batory. Uh, who is Delphine Seyrig from uh, uh, Chantal Ackerman's... Uh, John. Oh my god! Yeah, I I can't pronounce her name, but you know. John Dillman. Yeah. yeah. That's Dillman. so cool. Yeah, she she's played the Countess Victoria. Yeah, and uh, she's a lesbian vampire uh, who shows up nice. with like her um her valet and seduces the or plans to seduce the wife of uh this couple who just got married uh because the husband's kind of a creep and she's like you're mine now. You know, vampire. I mean, this sounds like a trade up. This is more of like a happy story. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was pretty cool overall. Uh, I watched. If you like? If you like, I was gonna say, if you liked Daughters of Darkness, I have great news. Uh, yeah, that's coming out on 4K pretty soon. Ooh, I would like <laughs> to watch that in 4K. That's. Amazing. I know. I I saw that it was on the 70s horror thing, and I was like, I'm I I gotta wait. I I can't I can't do this until can't spoil it until. Oh my it's God. It's, it's, it's a very, it's 4K a very, is so wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of Belgian and Flemish Flemish freaks uh, in 4K. I would love it. Uh, everyone likes a good freak. Mm-hmm. You're a pro freak podcast. Yeah. Uh, the husband is like a he's a allegedly a Brit like minor British arist- aristocracy. Um, so he's afraid of showing his new wife to his mother, and the reveal with his mother is not one I expected. There's a lot of uh, bisexual energy in this movie from both vampires and humans. After that, I watched Let's Scare Jessica to Death, which is a terrible title for... Oh, oh boy. Who did we lose? Uh, Brooke. Okay. Uh, there she nope. is. Never mind. Okay. Um, yeah, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, a terrible title for a very enjoyable movie. A really good movie. Heck, I've heard so it's like such good things about this. I've always wanted to see it. So. Yeah, it's been on my radar for a long time. Yeah, I, uh, I just saw it in the collection. I was like, yeah, let's try this. That sounds interesting. It is like very clearly... Have you guys seen Queen of Earth with uh, Elizabeth Moss? Oh, yeah. No. It's like very clearly a direct inspiration for that, where like this woman's in a semi secluded house and you're not sure if she's like going crazy or not. It starts off with Jessica and her husband and their friend are driving to like rural Connecticut to start living on a farm to get away from New York City. Jessica has just gotten out of a psychiatric treatment uh, for an unspecified reason but it seems like she was having like hallucinations and stuff and she's a really cool character like the the very first thing you see her do in the movie is she goes to a graveyard to do pencil rubbings of different gravestones oh i love fetching graves that's awesome yeah uh she reads off a poem from one of the uh headstones 
as she's doing this, she thinks she sees a figure off in the distance, but she's not sure because she's not sure if she's seeing it or not. And no one else sees the girl because no one else is around. So she just doesn't mention it. Mm. So a lot of the movie is her like battling with her self doubt that she's going crazy or not. And there's a possible vampire uh, storyline to it. But once again, Jessica's the one, the only one seeing it most of the time. Mm -hmm. so the whole time she's trying to convince her husband and her friend that these things are really happening, but she's not even quite sure herself. Psychological horror is a great pairing for supernatural. Yeah, it is. It's, and also I do like that the movie refuses to tell you if what you're seeing is real or not. I do enjoy that ambiguity. So Mm -hmm. that's a lot better than some things where, you can tell the audience it's real or not at the end, and it's fine sometimes, but typically it's much harder to do than leaving it ambiguous. So hearing that gives me faith. Yeah, it's really that was cool. quite fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool and like it's got weird like semi dream logic that once again you're not sure if it's happening or not. But I really enjoyed the movie. And I also really enjoyed the poem that she read off the grave gravestone. It's uh, frail as the leaves that shiver on a spray. Like them, we flourish. Like them, decay. That's awesome. Which is a baller thing to put on your gravestone. It is. Yeah. Uh, a lot. The next thing I watched was Nadja, the 1994 vampire movie about Dracula's daughter, which I believe Connor also watched. Yes, I had never heard of that. So no, yeah. you put it on your letterboxed watch list, and I was like, what the fuck is this? How have I not heard of this? Yeah, that was the same for me. And then uh, watched it on your Plex immediately after. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw you added it to your watch list, and I had that shit downloaded within, like, ten minutes. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, once I saw it, I'm like, did, did Connor have this the whole time? God damn. <laughs> um, working together, I like it. Once yeah. again. I'd say the first act is the most enjoyable of it. That first, like, 10, 15 minutes, I am like, where has this movie been all my life? Oh, yeah. Admittedly, Connor showed me the first 10 minutes, but I've seen nothing more than that. So I'm like, it's to what this is. Honestly, after the first half hour, I I don't really see much of a point. It's basically a rehashing of, like, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm, Okay. Um... It it, it kind of does the thing that I have. I have a problem with a lot of like hip '90s movies where they do they're you know aimless kind of on purpose, but it, but too much so. Yeah, it it just sort of completely loses focus for me. Because it's it basically for for those of you unaware, it is basically a Hal Hartley vampire movie without the involvement of Hal Hartley. Mm. It does feature. Many uh, a couple of his his regulars yeah. is produced by David Lynch, mm-hmm. who does have a cameo as cameos a, in that first ten minutes. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a confused incredible. security guard. It's like yeah, it is deeply Hal Hartley esque. I mean, that's part of why Connor showed me a few minutes of it, and I was like, this is bizarre. It does feel like somebody was just like copying his homework for like a little bit. Yeah, because it, it does the same sort of thing with like the the stilted dialogue and the kind of I don't know disconnected kind of episodic nature of of the way it unfolds. I mean, the yeah. title 
even had a font that he uses a lot. And I was just weird. like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> fucking banging soundtrack. Some My Bloody Valentine in there, some Portishead in there. Really good soundtrack. It, it's, re- it's a very enjoyable soundtrack. That was probably the best part uh, throughout the movie. Because after, uh, basically after Dracula's daughter fucks Martin Donovan's wife, uh, there's not much more you need to see. Yeah, it kind of goes downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Some nice, some 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 nice black and white photography of you know shitty '90s New York. Mm-hmm. But then they also they they do this thing that's supposed to be a stylistic decision that just infuriated me, which is they frequently used a. Uh, I don't remember the exact model, but they used like a toy, a toy camcorder basically to do these sort of very pixely digital effects for kind of surreal sequences. It but was it just, so pixelated and shitty looking. It looks, it looks straight up bad. I, I thought my computer had just relegated me to a lower resolution when that. Came I thought out. I had downloaded like a shitty copy of the movie for a I, while. Yeah, I thought I was watching like a hundred pixels per inch, like. And they use it a lot. Yeah, they they use it pretty often. It happens so early in the movie too, because it just switches the next scene after the very first one, and it's all pixelated. And you're like, "What the fuck is happening?" I thought it was just a really shitty copy, but it's just a shitty camera work. Uh, yeah. So so really, it's it's neat, but like I feel like it just kind of tries to do too much at times. Yeah. After that, uh, Black Christmas, I watched for the first time, which I think you also watched for the first time, Connor. I watched that yesterday. Yeah. I, I have seen it several times. Extremely good. That shit rocked. Is this one of the earlier slashers? It's kind of the first of mm-hmm. that variety. I mean, there's always there's always going to be something that's technically the first before that or whatever, but like... Mm-hmm. But the first, like, kind of more modern slasher. This is a house full of co-eds and a freak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know? you love to see a freak. You uh, fucking that freak is so good, man. All his phone calls. <laughs> oh, the phone calls are insane. Oh, the voice is good. Mm-hmm. The voice is nuts. That's how we be the freak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Be the freak you want to see in the world. Yeah, he, he, the very first thing the freak does is enter their house, and he does not leave. <laughs> he does not leave, and also they do because so, watching this for the first time after watching, you know. Just dozens of, of of slashers that followed it. It's crazy to see that the shit that you think is innovative from other stuff was done in this and better. Because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it starts off with a lot of POV shots from like the killer's perspective, similar to how Halloween starts in the exact same way. Yeah, but it looks way better than it does in Halloween. It looks really good. It's... It looks like there's a GoPro on this guy, but it's they fucking strapped a 35 millimeter camera to this man and had him climb a house. <laughs> Hot damn. Yeah. Awesome. And also, I think the very first call from inside the house. It's up there. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. one of the first of those. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, like, the freak is also somebody who is, you know, these girls start dropping. There's shit that happened around town. Like, all of these are, like, amazing tropes that, like, kind of continue on. And this movie, it has it all. And it's also Christmas, but seems horrifying. Like, this is appropriate for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that it was barely about Christmas after the first 15 minutes or so. so yeah. I still absolutely love that this is Bob Clark, who also did a Christmas story. Yeah, that's really yep. funny. Really? 
So made the two best Christmas movies ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His first Christmas movie is Black Christmas. Is amazing. Yeah. Did he? Didn't he also do another Christmas horror movie? I think he might have. I know he did uh, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, which is pretty fun. Okay. He also made a movie called Death Dream that it looks absolutely nuts. That is also on the Criterion. I was thinking about watching that the other night. Is it on? Okay, good, because I've been trying to find that for a long time. Yeah, that's on the 70s collection as well. Uh, that looks fucking tight. Yeah. Yeah, Black Christmas is really good. I'm also, happy uh, to have finally watch that. Margot Kidder is amazing. I was about to say oh, I fucking yeah. love Margot Kidder in this. Oh, when she cracks the beer in the police station. Oh fuck! She's so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, and that's the other thing is like this does the you know we're just gonna kill a bunch of sorority girls or whatever, but they actually take the time to develop them and kind of give them their own arcs and personalities in a way that you don't see in a lot of a lot of the slashers that followed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like clear relationships to each other, uh, whether good or bad. And like, and the ways in which they're dumb are like forgivable. It's not like the stupid thing where like there's a bunch of girls in a room and they're like, "We don't know how to run." Like, yeah, they they get split up, but it's not because they're being stupid. It's because they just they're they're like going to check on their friends or they're like meeting up with people, and yeah. they clearly have no reason to believe that they're in any danger exactly. until they realize that they're in a lot of danger. Yeah, the stupid <laughs> people in this movie. Are the police? Yeah, right. cops who are just so fucking bad at their job. <laughs> Especially the desk cop who's just like a stupid asshole the whole time, and the other cops are like, "Hey, you're a stupid asshole." I mean, it's like they've got fucking John Saxon, who is like king of slasher cops. I mean, he's the cop in Nightmare on Elm Street, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like he's he's that guy. <laughs> Recently departed, John Saxon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Back to a real one. Uh, I'll get through my last four as quick as I can here. Um, after Black Christmas, I watched Deerskin, a movie that came out last year about Jean Dujardin. Oh, that uh, looks. Yeah, it's a pay seven thousand dollars for a deerskin jacket and quickly descends into madness. As you would. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, he starts like pretending to be a director, even though he is completely blown his savings he just uh, the person who sold him the deerskin jacket also threw in like a cassette recording camera Ooh, yeah so he starts uh essentially trying to shoot a film and pretending to be a director uh where the subject of the film is he is trying to get everyone else in the world to swear off ever wearing a jacket again in their life so he can be the only person to ever wear a jacket that's, it's that's, a noble cause. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. It's it's a sl- slow burn in terms of revealing itself as a horror, but once it does, it's it gets pretty bonkers. Uh, yeah. yeah, this just did seem fun, and I must say that the the most popular review on Letterboxd is hilarious. The house that a jacket built. Yeah, <laughs> that was a really good one. <laughs> like, all right, all right, I'm in. Yeah. I also watched The Boxer's Omen, a 1983 Chinese movie about uh, the brother of a boxer who gets injured by a Thai kickboxer uh, who goes to fight the Thai kickboxer and get revenge. And then sort of by coincidence gets 
drawn to a uh, Buddhist temple in Thailand that had been calling out to him separately. Uh, So he takes a sidetrack to go join this Buddhist temple and help fight uh, black magicians. Nice. Miles, you need to see this movie. It, you yeah, movie. There's so much fucking going on. Uh, all, all the all the 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 black magic users uh, essentially use regurgitation as magic. So they just eat like rat guts and then spit them back up to bring something to life. Hell yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's the it's there's a lot going on there. Is what I can say about it. It's been on my radar for a while, so I'm glad. I'm glad somebody finally bit the bullet on that thing. Yeah, it's a fun one. I saw it on your on your, your plex, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going for it. And then I watched Real Life by Albert Brooks. Yeah, there which, we go. Yeah, just the, just a, another good movie. Which uh, in my letterbox review, I said I think this could technically count as a horror movie, uh, as Albert Brooks descends into madness trying to. Uh, document real life god it's so fucking good i talked about it the time when i watched it on the podcast already but i will just say again every time it cuts every time you see the cameraman with the with the full head rig in the background oh it got me so good it made me i fucking i I lose it yeah (laughs) the the big stupid fucking helmet made me laugh so much yeah you we've talked about it before but yeah real life is very funny Really good. It's like Nathan for you, but if Nathan was like losing his mind the entire time. And then my last thing was Hubie Halloween, which mm-hmm. I think a couple of us yes. also saw. Oh boy, I've been meaning to. Let's hear Perfect. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I saw it twice. Really? Yeah. You know what? Wow. It's worth it. It's it's I very, watched it. It's just, it's a movie where <laughs> everyone is clearly having fun. Like, yeah. Terrified that he was gonna make good on his promise of making the worst film ever after well, uncut. No, this, was this was filmed before uh, the Oscar. Oh, yeah. And for the record, even if it wasn't, he would be wrong because this is certainly better than every other fucking Netflix Sandler movie. Oh, by a mile. Because like, this is... was, I don't judge him for collecting a paycheck and getting to hang out with his friends. I get Not it. Not at all. That's the mm-hmm. we all have. But, like, this one actually seems like they give a shit a little bit. It, it seems like everyone involved, like, actually enjoyed working on it and, like, mm-hmm. had fun making it. Uh, the, I think the funniest bit of the movie was Tim Meadows wearing a bald cap and wearing a wig on top of that. <laughs> that was, yeah, Tim Meadows' hair was, was a highlight. That was I fantastic. If we're going gags, I would say all of June Squibb's t-shirts were. Oh yeah, that, highlight. I shaved my balls for this. Uh, I yeah. I found Ray Liotta very funny in this movie. Oh yeah, he was really funny. Him just fucking uh, walking out of that haunted house, being like, "That was great." Huh, it almost makes me forget I buried my father this morning. <laughs> yeah, man. When he pushed uh, Hubie into the grave, <laughs> the open Smart grave of his father. Grave. <laughs> and then he's arguing with his mom, like in Italian, yeah, about how it's not I, disrespectful. Oh my god! Yeah. And Steve Buscemi is like every second he's on screen was a delight for me. Steve Buscemi's storyline 
was amazing. So good. As as uh, Walter, who he kept calling Mr. Lambert, he's like, no, Walter, please, even as he's, uh, <laughs> at, you know, a- acting like he is. Yep. Which, and I do just want to say, this is this is low in the pantheon of them, but I, I just have so much fucking respect for the fact that Sandman is back to doing voices. Yeah, his voice is so fucking funny. Uh, his voice is, it, it was, I needed subtitles, because it, it, was, it was that much. <laughs> it grew on me. The whole, the whole, at first I was like, what the fuck is this? And then it, it just grew on me. It was really fucking funny. It was um, it was fun. And Julie man. Bowen returns good. as a a Sandman love interest. Mm. Oh, I forget. Like I I hate how much I love the stupid thermos gags. Mm-hmm. The thermos gags were really funny. The telescope, uh, the, the grappling hook. So impressive. All very good. It's just legit good. I'm probably going to watch that every October now. Yeah. yeah, I am mad. I'm the only one who didn't see this. I the... would have. Oh yeah, you you would have liked it. Yeah, it's very cute. Watch it with like your family. Watch it with somebody because I think watching it with people probably helps them a little. I watched it alone the day it came out because I just couldn't help myself. It was you know, Billy Madison, nudie nudie magazine day voice. It was Hubie Halloween day. <laughs> but. I liked it so much better the second time around watching it with Brooke. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a lot better with people. Uh, I did like, shouting things like the whole time, mm-hmm. like the fact that the children, Julie Bowen's children, are definitely Adam Sandler's daughters. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. yeah, they look just like him, and they are. Like you look at it up, and it's like, yeah, it's however Sandler, mm-hmm. and and his wife is one of the Harley Quinns. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All the Harley Quinns were also. We did talk about that as well. It is a fucking tragedy to have Adam Sandler as your dad and then have like a hot mom, but mm-hmm. then end up with the Adam Sandler genes. <clears throat> Those Sandler kids, they literally, I said this, but like the older one, especially, if you just <laughs> dressed her up as, as, as a Boy Scout, you could convincibly tell me that it was a picture of Canteen Boy from the 90s. <laughs> She doesn't even like really dress up much, just the fancy suit, and she's opera man. Yep. My dear lord. They'll 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 be fine. They're in movies, they're making great money. Yeah, their dad's gonna pay them millions of just to hang out. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? Good for them. And you know, I I don't mind his transition into something that's like a teeny bit more family friendly. Like this was cute. Mm Mm-hmm. I do wish there was murder. I think that was my complaint halfway through. Not even a complaint, but I was just like, is there murder? I want there to be murder. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they did re- really make you think there was going to be but ultimately a pretty family-friendly movie. Yeah, but lots of good bits, lots of good surprises. The coolest radio station ever that I would like to work at. Oh, yeah. The, the reveal on the radio station was also very Yes. Good bit. And there is, for the record, there is a cameo in the first three minutes oh yeah changed my life that i think is like the same character from oh yeah yeah no totally it it 100 percent is okay yeah because there's a few callback things yeah yeah there are find it even more just because yeah there's so many things to pull from there's an o'doyle Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. o'doyle i mean you have the fucking cajun guy from uh (laughs) Waterboy. yeah 
Yeah, I was like, all right, hell yeah. Yeah, so there, there's lots of good. I, I hope he does make more stuff like this. I'm a sucker for Halloween and Salem Rocks. And you do mm. see the Salem Witch Museum, which is really fun and silly. And I was like, oh my god, they actually filmed in here. Yeah. yeah, shout out to the girl I went to high school with that got to be an extra in this. I didn't see her, but she was on set. I saw it on her Facebook, so keep an yeah. eye out for a uh, heavily pregnant woman dressed as a witch. It, it, this is the girl who is also in that other Netflix movie? No, 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 no. Okay. She just got to be an extra because okay. she was in town. Well, good for her. Apparently, apparently, Adam Sandler gave her baby advice. So, oh wow, <laughs> hell yeah, what a father! I know. Yeah. Shout out to the Sandman. Yeah, very nice. This this was cute. It was a nice little Halloween picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is it for me, though. Uh, Brooke, I believe it's your turn. Alrighty, I don't have too much to discuss this week, and most of my things are things I know others have seen. Um, I did finally get to see the. Uh, Cronenberg film Rabid. Mm. Thank God for uh, 70s Halloween shit going on for Criterion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really fun. I had a good time with it. I've always heard just okay things about it. Um, it and Shivers get compared a lot, understandably so. Very similar movies. Um, I had seen Shivers years ago and I really fucking like that movie. Rabbit is good. I understand why it's not everybody's favorite, but there's like cool ass scenes in this movie. Um, it is a strange film that is basically like a uh, a woman gets in a motorcycle accident. Marilyn Chambers, like the fucking Marilyn Chambers, gets a motorcycle accident, goes to experimental surgery at like a nearby plastic surgery clinic and gets like a skin graft that fucks her up and turns her into something. And I was like, all right, this is fucking cool. Like, there's just a lot of weird, gory attack scenes. And I think that's kind of what the highlight is about the movie. It's not, you know, wonderfully pr- like plot-driven, but a lot of Cronenberg's stuff from this era isn't, and I think that's completely fine. Like, yeah, it's just Cronenberg wanting to do some like weird body horror. Yeah, and it succeeds at that greatly. And Marilyn Chambers is perfect as this woman who is like both hot and incredibly friendly-looking, who is just like completely able to just start being like, "Hi, I'm gonna fucking attack you now," and they're just like, "Okay, yeah, okay." Mm-hmm. Uh, like we did watch a clip of this the other day when we were hanging out with friend of the show Cameron and it was basically she's like feasting blood off of a cow this weird drunk dude wanders into a barn sees her and he's just like hey pretty lady sees that there's blood on her mouth and he's like oh you got blood on your mouth oh you're smiling you like me and I'm like you do not care about the blood on her mouth you don't none of this bothers you just brush uh, right past this Oh, yeah, it's amazing. He's just like, we're going to power through, you're cute. Drunk guys um, do be horny. Oh, basically, yeah. And it's amazing because he does get, obviously, attacked, and it spreads whatever is going on. And his then attack scene, because all the people she attacks starts attacking other people, this guy mm. goes insane in a fucking diner and, like, eviscerate mm-hmm. a chicken dinner that wasn't even his. And then just starts attacking people, and it is so much fun. Like, I just, I had a good time with it. It's an hour and a half. I think it's an easy one. Just don't go in thinking you're going to have this, like, incredible plot or dialogue. It's just fun pandemonium and gore. You know, the crazies with no lesson. Like, it's a good time. 
I don't know. I think the lesson there is 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 pretty topical for the times, really, about how completely ill ill equipped society is to deal with a uh, massive world changing disease outbreak. That is an incredibly good point. Yeah, I was thinking that while watching it, but as you well know, as you well know, I was also having difficulties while watching it. So I was like not fully focused at the end half, but the beginning half, a hundred and ten percent. This go. Mm like being a thing that could easily be contained to them all being really stupid about how is this starting like her boyfriend mm-hmm. kind of the one that figures it out you'd think that they'd be able to piece it together but they don't um they don't really know how to quarantine this but then they do start having all these people get like uh like rabies vaccines to kind of prevent this because rabies is the closest thing they can treat to this because they don't know what the fuck it is yeah and they start not letting people into businesses unless they've been like unless they've gotten the vaccine and all these people are pissy about it but like they have to do it so it is very topical in that sense for sure i was just gonna say it's probably like the the non-contained version of shivers because shivers is a similar concept but within an entire apartment complex so like think like zombies attack where connor and i live Mm. lots of um Followed it up with the Fulci movie Zombie or Zombie Flesh Eaters, which we've already talked about a good bit. Uh, Not a ton to add. Really fun. Good music. Um, The zombie shark fight underwater rocks. There's a reason people talk about that, and it was really fun. Some uh, great gore. Great gore. I was going to say, I think maybe the, the highlight of the movie for me is that like the zombies are beautiful. They do a good job. They look great. Especially at the end of the movie and you start getting like really nice lighting on these zombies and you're like, oh my god, they look so they did such a good job. Yeah, because I'm in the camp with Connor that like there's definitely a dip in the movie after like the first few cool scenes happen. It gets kind of slow. Yeah. But then the end really picks up because you're just like, look at all these zombies. They're amazing. Um, yeah, so I get why people love it. It's really fun. I, you know, do recommend. Good, good time. Very pretty zombies. Um, I watched Festival from 1967. It is the documentary that is about the Newport Folk Festival. So I watched the one that was about the jazz festival. This is the Folk Festival doc. Okay. Um, it was good. I had always meant to watch it. I've heard good things. Um, it's kind of listed up there when it comes to like concert or festival movies. This one is interesting though, because compared to any other like concert or, you know, sort of like a Woodstock, like a big festival movie that I've seen, instead of doing a year of it, they just do a bunch of footage from 63 to 66. Okay. Which That's was kind of cool. Yeah, like a lot of the things that were different about this that were kind of frustrating were also what was cool about it because it made it different. Um, mm. Yeah, like the movie is, you know, it's from 67, but they chose to shoot it in black and white, which at first was kind of a downer because... Like, one of my favorite things about, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Monterey Pop and, like, Woodstock is just seeing these people, these kids in the crowd and how amazing they look. And, oh, like, yeah. You're getting really, like, almost this vibe that you're there and you're looking at these, like, you know, kind of gorgeous people who've shown up for a show. At first, you're not really getting that in festival. Like, you see all these people arrive and it's fun, but, like, the black and white wasn't working. And then... You start with the music, and it's Peter, Paul, and Mary. And Mary is beautiful. 
she is so beautiful in black and white in this movie. Like, holy shit. Every time they, like, go to her on screen, even when she's not singing, in the black and white, I'm like, okay, I'm sold. This did it. She looks amazing. Holy shit. Um, yeah, the only other issues I have with the movie are it is just chunks of uh, performances. You don't get a ton of full performances. Mm-hmm. So introduction to anybody. I just knew who certain people were. Other ones weren't nearly as famous. Because you've got, like, a weird mix of people. You've got, like, Peter, Paul, and Mary, who you expect. You've got Dylan. You've got Joan Baez. You also have Howlin' Wolf and Donovan and Johnny Cash and Sun House and Buffy St. Marie and all these, like, oh, Pete Seeger, of course. Like, there's all these different mm-hmm. people that were there. People who are good, but, like, you don't necessarily know them just to see them. Yeah, exactly. And then there are people that you don't expect. Like, seeing Johnny Cash was weird. I'm like, You're, you shouldn't be here, but okay, I'll take it. Yeah, um, Folk Festival's not exactly the space, but sure. Yeah. Yeah, and he gets, like, a minute. They don't mm-hmm. even play a whole song of his. And I was like, god damn it. And he was good, too, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, Johnny Cash. Yeah, like, you know, no complaints. But yeah, so, like, you don't really get full performances, which is frustrating. Um, it is hysterical to see these kids go apeshit for Dylan and then talk about it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, doesn't it have the, uh, the electric Dylan? Yes, it does. So it has his first appearance where, you know, he's doing what they want him to do. And the whole crowd is just like, we're obsessed. Mm-hmm. they do electric you don't get to see them be pissed but you get to do like you do get to see him you know do you his don't to hear anyone yell traitor sadly no yeah i feel like it's a little it's a little gentle this doc until we get about halfway through a little closer to the end actually you start talking to sun house who's like a blues man he fucking rocks his interview is i think the best it's gorgeously shot He's an amazing man, because that's the fascinating thing about this era of music, is you have all of these generally suburban white kids getting into, like, blues music from, like, way fucking back when, like, rediscovering all these artists who were, like, OG blues artists who were, like, kind of old guys now who are, like, you know, a tour's a tour. Mm-hmm. And they're playing for all these, like, spoiled children that are, like, yeah, man, the blues, I understand the blues. And he's, like, you don't, but, like, you're paying me. Yeah, they're like, Muddy Waters, I can really relate to all of your troubles. Yeah, like, it's bizarre, because you do have all these people that are, like, amazing. They're fucking, like, they don't feel like they should be alive at the same time people that we know are, like, you know, basically our parents or grandparents. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, he's talking, and he's talking about how, like, you know, you know, music is music, and I'm gonna do what I gotta do to play music, and I'm, like, completely respect that. This is your job. You're amazing at it, and, like, they're lucky to have you at these things. But then at the same time, they are doing his stuff during some kid who I'd never heard of. I don't even remember what his name is. He, he w- did not make a huge impact. But it was some younger dude who was playing, like, basically what would have been, like, the speedy version of, like, Jack White's music with, like, a full band. Okay. So, to some degree, suburban white guy blues rock. Like, there's skill there. This dude was, like, good at his instrument. But then he starts talking, and he basically sounds like... Like a surfer dude. He's just like, yeah, man, I don't know anything about the blues, but I just love this music. It's so much fun. So I think I get it. I don't know. It's just for like a time. And you're like, fuck, this guy is insane. Did you ever meet my friend Albert? No. Because <laughs> that's exactly how he talks. And oh, he's no. like into, into like folk music and stuff like that. Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was because the guy was charming. Like, I get why people would like it. But you're also like, oh, wow, you were the opposite of what like a blues guy should be. Mm-hmm. 
And so he's just like, yeah, like I've been talking to Sunhouse and just like, I haven't lived Sunhouse's life. My life's pretty fucking good. And it's, like, it's like Bill and Ted talking to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because you even see him like on stage jumping around like Bill and Ted playing the blues. And that's not how you play the blues. No. You know, play it like you're having the greatest day of your life. He's just good at blues guitar, like, in like, rock. Like, that's it. Like, he can just play an instrument. And he's like, yeah, man, I mean, you know, I know I have it pretty lucky. Like, I haven't been shit on, like, Sun House has. I haven't had to live that life. Honestly, I'm doing pretty good. I'm rich. And he's like, he's like, I got a great guitar for my bar mitzvah, and my dad's a millionaire. And I was like, fuck, this is, a, like, this is a joke. But it's real. That's... <laughs> that's really funny it was amazing to have everything you assumed about those kinds of kids in music even today being like oh yeah no i'm incredibly rich and i have no idea what i'm talking about but i'm having a good time yeah you know i get equal billing to this guy who has truly lived this life created a, a genre that i am like absorbing and mm. uh, you know we're having a good time man it's just a good time yeah my dad bought me this two thousand dollar guitar and i'm hanging out i'm chilling yeah, I'm like, I'm headlining with, uh, you know, legends. But, like, I'm just happy to be here. It's a good time. It's a good time. I'm like, holy shit. That's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that was, the, that was the best part for me. Because I was like, holy cow. Um, it was not particularly folk-oriented, that section. But that was what really impacted me. Uh, some really nice performances. I, I, you know, the best of the folk stuff is obviously, like, the, the Joan Baez, uh, Bob Dylan stuff. She's mm. an interesting person. I wish I liked her music more than I did. Yeah, I don't like her music as much as I want to, but have you read that Joan Didion story about, like, the school that she ran? Ooh, no, but that sounds amazing. She ran, like, a school in California for, like, hippies, basically. Uh, Oh, wow. Like, school's not exactly the word, but it was, like, this, like, you know, like, sort of like a hippy-dippy school where they're all like, yeah, we just, like, talk and, like, teach each other, kind of. Like, that kind of thing. That's yeah. Because, yeah, like, they interview her a bunch, and she has all these very thoughtful things to say about, you know, what this genre is and, you know, what kids are like that are, like, rebelling now because folk is, you know, the, the, that first step of rebellion before we got to, like, proper hippies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so she was interesting. She was a good interview for the folk side, but, like, yeah, obviously it was way more about, like, watching Bob Dylan and Peter, Paul, and Mary play. But, yeah, mm-hmm. so not, not too shabby. Glad I finally saw it. Um, and then lastly, something that I think kind of overlaps with Connor, but I will say I did. The only TV thing I really need to say is I did, uh, finally get to season series seven of Taskmaster and it is a delight so far. Oh, uh, is that the one with, um, James Acaster? Yes. Who I love. And I'm so happy that I got to his season finally. And I'm like rushing through it way faster than the season before because of him and the whole rest of the cast is good too. But, mm-hmm. um. The first episode, you see little Alex Horn's full bare ass. <laughs> I and forgot about that. I didn't expect that. So I'm just, you know, highlight there. That's amazing. I'll talk more about it later. But yeah, just, you know, positive TV watching. But I, I finished in showing um, my cousin who was visiting a movie I loved growing up, Ginger Snaps. The yes. werewolf movie? Yep, the werewolf movie. I love this movie. I first saw it when I was like a good bit younger. I was a kid when I like sought it out. I was like, this movie fucking rocks. I was crazy about this when I saw it. Still a big fan. But yeah, she wanted to see it. Um, also, bonus points to humor of you talking about shaving the head. 
I'm watching this with my cousin. The first second one of the, the sisters shows up, she goes, that's a wig. And I'm like, I don't think so. Like, I've seen this movie a bunch of times. I'm like, I don't think so. Her boyfriend looks it up. Oh, yeah. The younger sister shaved her head and was like, oh, shit. I didn't think I got the job. <laughs> so she had to wear a wig. Damn. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. I and mean, she totally does seem like somebody that'd be like, I just shaved my head on a whim. It's fine. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they should have just made that part of the movie. Yeah, they should have. Like, I was like, bold, awesome. Yeah, she could bold it off. It really would have fit the brand of their whole their whole vibe pretty well. I love their vibe so much. Yeah, because you you watched it this week, correct? And so it's one of your Con- yes, yeah. yeah. It is a two thousands, literally from two thousand Canadian horror movie about uh, two sisters who are like goth as fuck, and they rock, and they are obsessed with death. They have a photo project where they like stage suicides and take pictures of it. Uh, <laughs> I want to do that photo project so they have a suicide pact. Yes, they do. Um, I forget how silly some of the like opening, like early dialogue is, but I'm like, fuck it, I don't care. We're gonna. This is just so much fun. Um, Ginger, who is a little bit older, uh, gets her first period finally at like 16, and then like gets attacked by a random beast in the woods, and then strange changes start happening to her body. Um. It fucking rocks. I love Ginger Snaps. But I've seen it a bunch. So what did you think, Connor? I I, I absolutely loved it. I think it might have been like a metaphor for something. <laughs> you think? But I wasn't I wasn't sure. It it was it was it's, if it was, it was incredibly subtle about it. It sounds almost too subtle to pick up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh but no, it it was it was really fucking good. It was just a a, a really well done werewolf movie a, a very well done just kind of you know i i like listen i i love a movie that can do stuff and i also like that you know, no, uh, fuck. i didn't prep for this uh no i i think it does a really good job of juggling just straightforward like werewolf shit with you know and adolescence and yeah just the fucking the like the the it mixes actual body horror with like the horrors of the human body mm. and ginger as she's going through the shit starts you know she's not sure if she has like a bloodlust or just wants to fuck a lot like it's that is it's just super interesting it, it's yeah, yeah, no, like, normally vampires are associated as being, like, the horny monster. Yeah. But I think this movie makes a great case for the fact that werewolves are just as capable of being horny. Oh, yeah. I would argue vampires yeah. have had too much sexy time on the screen. They are traditionally ghouls that literally jump out of graves or ghosts that eat people. No, no, they're 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 usually, like, allegories for OG people. OG is all about sex. Oh, yeah. But yeah, Ginger Snaps owns. Glad I finally got around to it. Yep, it is really fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I fucking love that movie so much. There's some stuff I wish didn't happen, but like, you know, fuck it for the sake of like proper gore and being fucked up. Like, my cousin, she had a really good point that I never thought of because she was, you know, she was like 20 something when she saw it for the first time, unlike me who saw it as a teenager, but like, she was like, she turns into like 
a real fucked up looking werewolf, right? Because oh yeah, you well no yeah, but like you start to see her turn and it's like sexy because it's a it's over time, which I didn't think about how weird it is that her transformation wasn't like one night. It is like over time she starts getting these weird changes in her body, and the little tail, you know, and she's starting to get like hairy. Mm-hmm. But at first, like she's kind of looking hot, like she still looks good. But then- well, yeah, well she, she takes the she takes the werewolf urge for blood and decides to like sex it up. Basically, she starts like dressing provocatively at school and shit, and like acting mm-hmm. out and stuff to deal with yeah. these, you know, crazy werewolf urges. Yeah, because mm-hmm. she at first was all mad that she's just like, are they just gonna make her like a hot teen girl that has like werewolf features? And I was like, no, but I understand that that would absolutely be a thing they would totally cop out and do if this was like a okay. like. Which, um, you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, this would pair excellently with Jennifer's body. Oh, yeah, because that was the thing we talked about afterwards, because we were like, you know, you totally have so many like horror movies that involve teen girls who are either the final girl or if they're the monster, they're still like cute as the monster. They're still like a cute, sexy vampire or whatever they end up being. When they get truly fucked up looking, I think is only fair. Mm-hmm. And like, and she does. Like, they, they commit to that eventually. But like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a really good concern to have because you don't want it to just be like, okay, she's also sexy and murderous, which is yeah. really fun. But like, let them be ghouls too. Yep. So, and yeah. you watch Ginger's. Great. But- Great I will pass the torch to you because I know you watched a hell of a lot more than uh, I think the rest. Yeah, I miscounted at the start of the recording. I've actually watched 20 movies since the last time we talked. Jesus Christ. I'm only, listen, I'm doing great right now. It's <laughs> October. I'm trying to get fucking frightened. I, I, I want to ask, have you managed to do a horror movie every single day? I mean, it sounds like it, but oh, it's the it's the fourteenth, and I'm at twenty already. So yeah, okay, I'm ahead. I can stop for a while and and be pretty, you know, fine. <laughs> it, was, it was hysterical because we were hanging out, and you're like, "Well, I I watched movie every day. Well, not today." And I was like, "We just watched Hubie Halloween." And you were like, "God damn it!" <laughs> well, I don't I don't count stuff that I had already seen. Is is part of my my dumb letterbox rule is that I won't like. Unless I have something to say about it, I'm not going to like log a rewatch. I, okay. I yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to skip several of these in the interest of time, but I'll go through some, some of, the, some of the, the important ones. I finally crossed off one of the greatest sequels of all time. I watched The Exorcist 3. <clears throat> so yeah. now, uh, also known as Legion, Directed by William Peter Blatty, who was so pissed off at how shitty The Exorcist Two was that he was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this one." <laughs> I do like and, a spite uh, sequel. It, it's beautiful. I mean, this fucking movie it it takes you know the original premise of The Exorcist or whatever, and decides to transplant that into like a serial killer police procedural thriller. Interesting. George C. Scott is a uh, is a detective, and there is a a serial killer called the Gemini who was executed like 15 years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, priests and shit start popping up dead in the exact same way, and uh, 
George C. Scott is trying to figure this out. And it, it really is just a lot of really good, like, Zodiac or Manhunter-esque procedural serial killer movie stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you're introduced to the Gemini, who is a... Uh, the Gemini killer himself is played by Brad Dorif. He was, like I said, executed yes. 15 years ago. But there's this guy who's in a, who's you know locked up in an insane asylum who claims to be the Gemini killer. But what's this? He is Jason Miller, aka Father Damien Karras from The Exorcist. Oh, oh. yeah. And George and like basically, I mean, I don't want to get into the the, the spoiler stuff of it, but. The, the Pazuzu from The Exorcist is very pissed that he was exercised f- f- uh, 15 years ago mm-hmm. and decides to go on a killing spree in Father Karras's body. That's... There's your hook, man. Yeah. Fucking Exorcist 3. Pazuzu! Pazuzu is back, and he's pissed, and he's a murderer. <laughs> Perfect. Like they, I, I, I think what happens with this movie is that you know, Exorcist Two is a fucking boilerplate shitty sequel where they're like, let's just do the same movie again. Exorcist Three actually feels like a real sequel that is just as compelling in its own unique way as the original Exorcist. Sounds interesting. I might it's fucking, have to it's fucking awesome. It has the greatest jump scare in cinema history that I don't even want to. I'm not going to say anything about it. Because just watch it. Yeah, I always assumed that it was just you know another retread. But oh man, this is almost as good as The Exorcist. Hmm. Yeah, it has a skip. Yeah, skip two, watch three. (laughs) Skip two, watch three. I like that Brad Dourif plays a murderer in yet another horror franchise. It just works as he doesn't Brad Dourif so much. Brad Dourif rules. He's the fucking man. Uh, yeah, that's The Exorcist 3. Check it out. Uh, thankfully, a bunch of the shit I watched this week I already talked about, thanks to you guys also watching them, so I'll just keep going down the line here. Uh, in a different direction, I saw 1988's Night of the Demons. Woo! The dying. Which is a classic teens go to party on Halloween night in an abandoned funeral parlor and a demon starts possessing them and killing and making them kill each other. I'm into it. It's fucking awesome. It it is like it's everything you want out of like schlocky eighties horror. You have uh you have Linnea Quigley, best known as the uh girl that gets naked in Return of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh there is a a a striptease set to Bauhaus in this movie, which is I think a incredibly brave cinematic decision. That rules. Uh right. I assume they have Linnea Quigley do the Here's the thing. No. Which blew my mind. Basically, every other woman in the movie gets naked except Lene Quigley. I think she just was was sick of it at that point. You know, that's fair. She she did a lot. There was like a fuckload of movies where Lene Quigley is just like, you want me to go Bush? I'll do it. (laughs) But she doesn't do it in this one. It's it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, But yeah, it's really good. There's just it's funny. It, there's some sweet gore. It's just, you know, everything, like I said, everything you want out of a movie like that. I think it's essential Halloween viewing if you haven't seen it. And then uh, I followed that up with a, 
I've been trying to watch, find more modern horror movies that I actually enjoy because I feel like it's kind of a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. So I checked out 2014's The Guest. Oh, with starring uh, Dan Stevens. That's right. As a, which for the record, I like. Dan Stevens plays a uh, a guy who shows up to this family's house whose oldest son died in Afghanistan. And Dan Stevens is like, hey, I, I knew your son in Afghanistan. He told me to come see you guys and tell you that he loved you. And they let him crash for a while, and he slowly just like starts winning the hearts and minds of the family. But he's not, maybe he's not everything he seems to be at face value, you know? It's a, uh, it's, it's, so it's, it's one of those movies that's like a throwback thing where they do like the 80s synth, synth score and. It's like very stylish and kind of supposed to be a throwback. And some of that stuff works and some of it doesn't. The music is good, but kind of distracting at times from how on the nose it seems to be. Uh, Dan Stevens is a hunk. You know, I've heard I've heard that about this movie. That- Straight up. My, my God. I was mm-hmm. lost in his eyes on multiple occasions. I was going to say, I've seen a few stills from this and that's like all I know from the movie. And it, they're engaging enough. That's really like it, he and he's he's really good in it. Like he's he's charismatic and he's funny and when shit starts going down, he get he's he's down for it. It's just it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. It's not I don't I didn't love it, you know, it, but I I think of the of horror movies of a recent vintage, it's one that I thought was pretty okay. Okay. You know, and, I uh, think I think that's all you can ask for a lot of recent horror movies. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is, man. Maybe I'm just, you know, a fucking like grandpa contrarian now, but I feel like a movie's got to really impress me these days. Or I'll just go back to watching The Exorcist 3 or something. <laughs> but let's see here. Only a couple more here that are really worth talking about. I saw a documentary called The American Scream. Heck yeah. Which was a beautiful portrait of just the the sweetest weirdos I've ever seen. It's about three, uh, yeah, it's it's three separate households in this Massachusetts town that on Halloween night convert their houses into like haunted houses for people to walk through. That's cool. there's a there's this there's a family one you know where it's like a the the dad got really into it and he has a wife that's super not that into it. And then he has two daughters, one of whom is too little to be really into anything, and the other one is like eleven, and mm-hmm. she's just as weird as her dad, and it's fucking awesome. That's cool. She uh, at one point they show her she has like a, a friend over, and she's telling this kid about some kind of story about like a dead baby. And she's like, "Yeah, you ever hear of that one?" And the kid is just like, "No." <laughs> He's fucking awesome. I love that kid. Oh, that rules. Yeah, they they were my favorite to follow. There's this uh, older father and son that run one, and they're also professional clowns. <laughs> oh, of the movie where you watch them get ready to be clowns and like go visit kids in a hospital, separate from scaring people. Separate from scaring, like they and they talk about how like you know the art of clowning has really fallen these days. <laughs> 
And then there's uh, the third guy. I, I thought this, these guys were the least compelling. They were another family. Well, I don't. They were there was kind of nothing remarkable about them. I don't really remember what their deal was, but it's just a really fun doc about these fun weirdos and the cool shit they do every Halloween. There's a great montage at the very end of people walking through all their houses, and it's beautiful, man. Yeah, it captures it captures what I love about Halloween in a way that stuff doesn't normally like they talk about it as kind of it's the only holiday where it's the community holiday it's not like a family holiday Mm -hmm. you know christmas you spend it with your family or whatever but halloween the whole town is fucking out living it up in costumes scaring each other and it's beautiful oh yeah yeah i think things about this that does kind of get at it yes it does sorry (laughs) oh sorry (laughs) But yeah, check that out. It's on. It's on Prime. It's it's a lot of fun. Ooh, I didn't know it was on Prime. Oh yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I wanted to quite some time. Yeah, no, it's it's worth seeking out. And the last thing that I saw that I really want to talk about is uh, another early two thousands joint. This was May. Woo, May rocks. By uh, by Lucky McKee, which stars Angela Bettis as a uh, very lonely young woman who had a lazy eye growing up and couldn't make friends and like just kind of slowly got more and more isolated and withdrawn. And the movie is just kind of about her trying to connect with people and utterly failing and going batshit loco as a result. Cool. Yeah. I I think you'd like this movie, Eric. It's such a good time. Yeah. This, this sounds like something I'd be into. I'm all, I'm all for, uh, people uh responding to like that kind of thing with descending into madness i like that kind of it's a slow burn for the first 75 percent or so Mm -hmm. you're just watching her like she's trying she's she's seeing this guy and then she gets too weird for him and she starts hanging she starts like teaching blind kids to try to connect with them and then fucks that up and she works at a vet clinic with Anna Ferris, who is a incredibly aggressive lesbian who tries at all costs to get with her. Mm-hmm. And it's- you, yeah, and you you kind of just watch her, you know, spiral out of control basically as she's trying to to feel less lonely, and then it builds up to a a a, a climax that is fucking nuts. Yeah, it gets properly cool. ridiculous. And, like, even it's... I don't know about you, but when people are, like, deeply embarrassed in a movie who are, like, generally good people, I... That is so much harder for me to watch than, like, gore. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, oh. no, I... This movie was was super uncomfortable the entire time. It yeah, built an atmosphere he, that was just so fucking yeah. oppressively uncomfortable. Yeah, when it's that kind of like just watching someone be like horribly embarrassed, it is like I'll pause a movie because it's so hard to watch. Uh, it's 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 cringe horror, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> <laughs> and then horror. It, this this might be the scariest movie I watch. Then uh, yeah, it is because she's just trying. Like she's so sweet, but and she's yeah. fucking up constantly. But she's just trying with everybody, and it's not going great. Mm-hmm. She's just, she's just, she can't, she can't help herself. She's too weird. 
Mm. And like Jeremy Sisto and Anna Ferris are amazing vessels for her like attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that movie was that might have been the 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 the, mo- the most scared or uh, not not really scared like the best the most atmospheric scary movie I've watched of all these so far. You're mm-hmm. saying more of a dread than a fear, correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that was really fucking good. Check that out. And uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to cut off at those because I, I otherwise I could go on for a long time. <laughs> Fair. All right. Uh, I mean, we did pretty good on time today. For once. Yeah, for <laughs> once we, we did pretty I'm good very on proud. time. I'm very proud of all of us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's been uh that's been content nausea. Uh we uh now it's time for lunch, I guess. Are you sick of us? Email us at content Zuya. There you go. Yeah. Oh, uh do we have Rex this week? Oh yeah. Um I do. the Freddy Freaker commercial on YouTube. We all love a good freak. Freddy Freaker? Freddy Freaker one Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's extremely. It, it's a, all right. So you know those like in the eighties, they had those pay to call phone numbers, and it was just random gags. Yeah. Well, yeah, like a one nine hundred. Exactly. It's one of those, but they just got a creepy, crazy looking rubber puppet to animate. It's like all articulated, but you can tell. That the people shooting the commercial didn't know how to use the puppet, <laughs> so it's just kind of jiggling around, and it's real good. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll link it. All right. Yeah, sounds interesting. Um, my rec, I guess, is something that we're all planning on watching at some point uh, this spooky season is Over the Garden Wall. Yay! Yeah, it's a it's a really good one about two brothers trapped in a place called uh, the unknown, Ooh, trying to find their way out and avoid a mysterious being called the Beast. Uh, that's all I'll say about it. It's a really good animated show. It's uh, like ten fifteen minute episodes, so about two hours uh, overall. It's one of my favorite things to watch for a tumble. You can watch it from Halloween to Christmas, and it works out. Yeah, you really can watch it any time, but um, for them, uh, Halloween is is directly involved with the storyline. So perfect. Yeah, I will go cartoon as well. Then uh, there's a, a piece of of cartoon history that is essential viewing for me every October, which is the Disney classic, uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, which is. The, which honestly, you can skip the Mr. Toad part. I don't really give a shit about Winning the Willows, but every Halloween from boyhood to now, I will watch the their the Disney adaptation of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, narrated by Bing Crosby. It oh, is. Yeah. It's a it's a delight. It's one of my favorite pieces of Halloween media ever. All right. Anything from you, Brooke? Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to try to stick with only, like, Spooky Rex this month, but something happened that's going to force my hand here. Um, I recommend watching Glow, because 
Netflix pulled its, you know, COVID-oriented bullshit of canceling, like, most of its shows, including the ones that had more seasons ordered. Mm-hmm. And, like, Glow had one season left. They had already started filming it, and then, like, lockdown happened. And then they're like, nope, you're done. Which breaks my fucking heart, because I love that. That's show. some horseshit. That, that is horseshit. Like, it'd be one thing if it was, like, a brand new show, or, like, they didn't even, like, commence filming. They had started. Like, there was shit written. They were ready. This was the last. They were gonna wrap it up. And, like, yeah, so I hope somebody rescues it. I'm, like, still, like, loosely holding out hope, because this show was phenomenal. Like, there are very few shows that have brought me this much joy, have been this cool. Uh, Very, like, because it's, you know, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. It is, you know, basically a fictionalized version of a thing that actually existed. Really great cast, and I think one of the most notable things about it for me is I would be sitting there watching an episode, and I would see more women on the screen who actually are real characters than almost anything I've ever watched in my entire life. Like, that's a, that's a big deal. Like, that's so nice. Like, all of these characters were wonderful, and I'm just, yeah, I'm very livid and heartbroken still, and I hope, you know, if anything, just, like, release the fucking scripts. I want to know what happens at the end. Um, but yeah. I fucking love Glow, so watch the seasons we do have, because they're fantastic. Okay. Yeah, that does suck ass that it got cancelled retroactively. That... So mad. They didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Netflix. Mm-hmm. Ah, all right. All right. Yeah, that'll do it for us. Uh, if you want to email us, it's contentnazuyapod at gmail.com. Bye. 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 <laughs> Oh, fucking, we don't have to do this. Headphones, man. This is this is like the episode I just edited where Miles made a terrible fucking noise and we all got mad at him.